Welcome to So You Can Heal. I'm Josh. I'm a licensed social worker and therapist at Still Point Consultants. And I'm Abby Parker, a licensed mental health counselor and therapist at Still Point Consultants as well. So today, Abby, we are talking about the process of letting go so that we can just be or releasing and allowing. Releasing and allowing sounds a lot better than having to let go of something. Right. Josh, have you ever had to let go of something that you didn't want to release? Oh, yeah. All the time. Me too. It really sucks. It really does. I find that the hardest part for me when... I have to let things go is like I have this constant fear of like it's like I have a lot of anxiety around it um and it's the anxiety of like if this thing is gone then what does that say about me did I do something wrong or who am I in that moment? Because a lot of times I find that we, and I specifically in this moment, have tied parts of my identity to the people or the things mm-hmm. that I'm doing or that are in my life. Um, so, yeah, it's really challenging. Yeah, I think that's very common to tie ourselves to people, places, things, memories, all types of objects um, or ideas or expectations. And it is difficult to unravel those. I'm glad you brought up the, like that sense of losing identity when you're having to let go of something or release it. Because I, I think that's a huge part of why it's so difficult for us to just allow it to happen. I mean, it's that grieving process. Whatever it is that's leaving, there's a grieving to that. It's the loss of something. And sometimes it is a part of us that we're losing. Sometimes it's people. It could be a thing, a job. Sometimes it can be family. And I think that one's really hard. It is really hard. I mean, that's a source of our original attachment in this world. Right. I was watching a TikTok the other day, and it was essentially saying, like, even if it's your family who's toxic, like, you can still choose to not be a part of that toxicity. Hmm. And there are parts of my life where I've had to walk away from people in my own family because of the the types of relationships or the dynamics that were happening in my family, and I didn't want to be a part of it. And that was really, really hard. But it kept me from stressing out. It kept me from having anxiety attacks. And eventually, when things calmed down for everyone, like, I was able to re-engage. I mean, and I wouldn't, I mean, to be clear, like, I didn't just up and dip out when someone needed me. Like, this was, like, years of the same types of dynamics and trying to help and no one doing anything or to help themselves. And it just got to a point to where I'm here as 
another piece just kind of being stuck in the middle of the chaos and nothing's really changing. Mm -hmm. And because it wasn't my stuff to actually change, like I couldn't do anything. So I chose to separate myself for a while and eventually they got tired of whatever was happening and made the change and I was able to re-engage. What I hear you talking about is how your body, your felt sense, your feeling, your emotion, like your thoughts, like how you experienced that, all of those were like sending signals or signs to you that something wasn't in balance, that there was something that wasn't life-giving or had the ability to, to give to you in that space or time with those other relationships. Right. Like where my brain initially goes when you say that is like, that sounds really bad that I'm always like, I walk away from a relationship that isn't giving to me or in some way it was all about me. So like even now in this moment, like I'm beating myself up for like, oh my God, did I do the right thing? I mean, Mm -hmm. and that's been 10, 15 years now. It was a time in my life where I was an undergrad So I had a lot going on, and the relationships that I wanted in my life were the relationships that didn't take a lot out of me. So I, I mean, I was full-time in school, so 20 hours. I mean, my full-time was 20 hours because I was, I'm an overachiever. So 18 to 21 hours. And I was also working 30 hours a week. So, like, I was really stretched thin. And, yeah, if it was a hard relationship, I did not let myself get kind of pulled into a lot of the drama. And, yeah, there are parts of me that feel bad because I had to walk away from family members that were kind of, I don't want to say toxic, but just... Lots of drama, unnecessarily. And, like, I just didn't have... I didn't have the mental capacity to manage that for them, for myself even. So, yeah. Like, they weren't giving a space where I felt I could just be. So I absolutely walked away. And I think all of us run into, like, a space or time where we are in a relationship where it's not necessarily like 50 50 give and take like I don't I don't know any relationships that are like spot on 50 50 completely equal and so I think with whatever space or time you're moving through in your life there are those relationships that need more and sometimes we can show up for that and sometimes it doesn't allow us to continue in the direction that we're moving or that we're striving for or We find other relationships that do support us in that way. And so we connect more with those people. And so I don't think it is like an odd thing to happen. I think it's a very like average experience to run across or be in relationships where things change. Right. And like thinking back on it and with what you were saying, like, yeah, like 
at that point, maybe I could only give 20%. And the people in my family that I walked away from were, were able to give the 80, but the part that they were also giving with the 80 were things that I didn't, I couldn't manage. Got it. So for my own safety, well-being, and being able to get things accomplished, like I had to walk away from the 80 that they were willing to give mm-hmm. and accept the 80 from others that were able to give it in the way that I needed. Sure. But yeah, it's hard. It is very hard. And like I said, I'm still at this point in my life, 10 to 15 years later, like still at times thinking like, Ooh, should I have done that? Like, I mean, but in this moment, like nobody really thinks about it except for me, maybe, (laughs) or at least nobody talks about it, but yeah. Yes. We all have a tendency to, um, evaluate our own relationships more so than maybe other people are evaluating them. Right. I appreciate you bringing up the concept of fears because I think one of my fears would be in releasing and allowing the change that happens in that, like fearing the change of something not being what it used to be, fearing the change of what it could be, fearing the change of how it will impact those around me or myself. I think a lot of us fear how our decisions will impact others or even ourselves, the relationships and what that would mean for even future relationships based on what decision we're making in this one. Like, how will that play out? Like, is it going to be worth it? Is me being willing to give this up going to benefit me in the long run? Yeah. Like I think that there are a lot of fears that are kind of placed inside of some of these decisions. You know, Josh, it's interesting because even as I hear you talking about decisions, like in my own experience, I think of things that I didn't have a decision on. Mm. And I mean, because when I think about that fear of change and I think about how I've been challenged by that, it takes me back to like experience of miscarriage and how in so many ways I didn't choose that. I didn't decide that. And so it's a different form of loss or losing, but it's still that fear of change. Right. And I think for me, like in the moment, the decision that I'm feeling Like, whether that be, like, an intentional choice, like me saying, hey, I need to take a break from this, or whether that's the decision that this has happened to me, now how do I move forward? I mean, because we all, I mean, regardless of whether it's our choice or not, like, there's always a decision in the midst of it, how am I going to allow this to impact me? Right. And... Like, I think more so for me, it's the decision of what am I going to gain from this experience and how is it going to help me grow into who I know I can be and want to be. But yes, I do completely acknowledge that there are situations and times in our lives where we do not get the option to decide Mm -hmm. what happens to us but we only get the option and decision of how that thing or event will impact us or how we will manage it going forward. Yeah, because in that, I, I hear you talking about perspective shift. Right. 
And I think there absolutely has to be that perspective shift in the grieving. So like you're focusing more on the future then of how you're moving through that, how you're changing, like how you experience that and allowing those things to happen instead of fighting against them. Right. That's really hard. Oh, it's excruciatingly painful. I mean, because in that there are expectations, there are the hopes and dreams that were connected to whatever situation that was, memories. Right. And Josh, even like, I want to ask you about how, even though it's been like 10, 15 years, how it still comes up for you. To you, does that mean that you've let parts of it go and not all of it? Or do you think you've let all of it go and those memories are just like popping up? Like, how do you read that? Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I don't really even think about it. But there are times or moments like when I may be with this individual in my family and we may be doing something and we may be having fun or whatever. And then I remember like, oh, like there was an entire couple of years that I really didn't engage with you very much. And I wonder what we could have been doing to have fun then. Or it's more like, what if like this was different? Or how could our relationship have changed throughout that time to where now it could have been different? I mean, but I also recognize that had I stayed in that space with whatever was going on for them and then kind of being pushed onto me, like I probably wouldn't be where I'm at. Hmm. So I think I'm, I'm really okay with the decisions that I've made. There are parts of me that, I mean, I feel what other people feel quite a bit. And the, I think that it's usually when I'm with that person, it's like, I feel there part of it that's missing out and that kind of becomes internalized into myself and then I'm like ooh <laughs> but usually when it's done like I'm like back to myself and like da 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 I mean I think that there's always going to be a part of us that will question but I also think that there is another part in us that knows like this is what I needed and the more we allow that part of us to kind of speak it can and eventually outweigh that voice of potential regret or feeling bad or whatever but yeah I don't really struggle making a decision for myself I mean at the time I really did oh absolutely I mean because I miss my family I mean now I feel like we have a better relationship because they also understand that like I have boundaries and granted I will be there for you if you want to talk about something, but I'm also not going to try and fix it because I know that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless they are specifically asking me and that doesn't happen a lot because they don't want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Isn't it funny being a therapist? Mm-hmm. And how you get to sit in intimate relationships all day long and really help support people. And then some of the closest people that might be around you, they don't want to ask because they don't want to hear what you have to say. Yep. 
in my experience, like, with that, like, even in moments when they have asked, like, and sometimes they don't, and I still tell them, <laughs> <laughs> like, they get so mad. Yeah. I've, like, one person, for example, like, he becomes, like, irate when I point things out or have in the past. Like, I don't do it very much anymore because just whatever. But, yeah, it's like that moment that they realize somebody sees it. Mm-hmm. And they've tried to hide whatever that piece is for so long. Like, right. that feeling of disappointment and guilt yep. and shame and whatever. Right. Gets triggered and anger comes out to protect it and it just blows up. Yep. But yeah. yeah I, I think as therapists, we absolutely are seers into people. For sure. And that's why we are not the therapist of our love, loved ones. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank God. So Abby, kind of back, going back to your own process. I mean, this is kind of a two-part question. So like in your own process of releasing and allowing, what were the components that you had to work through? And what was the the hidden kind of gift that was given or that may still be uncovering in your process? One of the hardest things in my process was waiting and the grieving and the unknowing, like in that waiting, like finding out that we were pregnant and like having that hope and that excitement. I mean, there's waiting in that like waiting to get the confirmation, waiting to continue on with that journey, and then to see the possibility that it wasn't going to come to fruition, and then to hear that news, like the disbelief in that waiting, like the the hope that still resonated until like it, there was like a knowing that it wasn't going to continue. And even in waiting for the miscarriage, I think that was one of the hardest pieces because you really didn't know what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen, what I should like move on or do with my life versus like how, like how I should wait for it to happen or like ceremonially, like, or just like my own spiritual understanding or in my faith, like, like what that meant. And so all of those different components of waiting, waiting for that change, that fear of change and not knowing like what, like how I was going to experience that or how I was going to experience it within my relationship. It was very uncomfortable sitting in that unknowing. And so there's a lot of fluctuation with it, which we've talked about. I think one of the things that helped was allowing myself to grieve when I felt it, which is sometimes difficult to do because sometimes it's very inconvenient. Yes. And if you if you know me, you know that I do not like inconvenient things <laughs> or I try to prevent them mm-hmm. as best I can to be comfortable. And so being okay with being uncomfortable. And when I say like allowing myself to grieve, I mean that meant like being angry, being sad, just like allowing myself to be numb for moments and then when that passed, getting up and moving. And a lot of that was like being with my body, almost being too attentive to my body. 
And then there's the other part of what it has allowed. What it really allowed was an opening up to know more about my health and all of the different components that came from that. If I didn't have the miscarriage, then they wouldn't have found um, a tumor in my abdomen or I wouldn't have found out other pieces about my health. Right. And so I, I don't see it like some people struggle with the concept of a silver lining. Um, I don't see it as like it being this crystalline type of greatness because whatever is allowed can be utilized. And that's where the choice comes in for me. Like whether whether I utilize whatever has come with that change or whether I allow it to pass by and come at a different time. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, I can also be really good at ignoring things. So like even someone telling me that I had a health issue or telling me like I needed to, to do something about something, I, I didn't have to do anything. And so even if I wouldn't have done anything about it then, eventually I would have had to do something. And some of those things I still struggle doing things with, certain health information pieces. I think you bring up a really good point that when we recognize that there's something that needs to change, we can go on and act like it's not there, <laughs> right? But eventually we won't be able to ignore it anymore. Right. So the letting go process will happen regardless. It's just how easy we kind of make it on ourselves. And I don't want to say easy like, ooh, this is a walk in the right. park. But like I have witnessed in my own life and in friends' lives and others' lives throughout my adult life where the decisions and things that are choices that have been pushed on us or intentionally made that sometimes we make it a lot harder than it has to be. Mm-hmm. Because of that fear of change. Right. If I think about like roads traveled and I think about like the things that come at us, like it's very different for like a bicyclist to to ride past you versus a huge Mack truck coming down the path. That also makes me kind of curious, like how do we know then when something is asking, requiring us to change or make that choice for ourselves i mean if we're thinking of like intentionally making that choice like how do we know when we need to make that decision for ourselves and kind of allow whatever it is whether it's relationship an idea a thing a place how do we know we need to let that go so that we can step more fully into our own growth process that is the million dollar question Right. And I guess like a part of me thinks that or believes that like we intuitively kind of know we feel it or however that experience comes to you. I also recognize that there are times when in the midst of something or a situation experience being at a place or with someone and what you are experiencing in that space is the opposite of what your goal is. Tell me more. So if 
I mean, it's kind of the thing that we talked about last episode or the last couple of episodes where you talked about like assessing where we are, where we want to go. And then it's that, how do we get there type of thing? Sure. So, I mean, and that's kind of the idea, like this is where I want to be and this is where I'm at. What do I need to do in order to get there? And does this thing, this relationship, this place, what idea is it helping me get there Mm -hmm. so it's allowing ourselves to kind of grow beyond the ideas that we are attaching to these things and then star wars it is the idea of learning to let go of the things we fear to lose sure learning to let go of the things we fear to lose yeah. I mean, that kind of goes into like the Buddhist principle of like non attachment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I tie it like to the concept of like trying to fix or control. Right. And so, not if you're not open to change, then you limit those possibilities that that could be engaged. Like, for instance, if I believed based on my miscarriage that I will never be able to have any more children. Or if I believed that my family will not grow, or if I believed that my body is forever damaged, then those types of beliefs or intentions do not allow me to move forward. Right. So instead, I have had to work on shifting those things in my grief to believe that I can grow my family and that I can have a healthy body and that... However, another child comes into our lives, that will be a process that I might have to learn. And that kind of reminds me of in quantum mechanics. Like, I am not a physicist. I am not going to probably say this as scientifically accurate as probably others can or would. But the idea of possibility is how... There are infinite possibilities, but only when things are observed or measured does like an electron kind of have a specific spot because it's there's infinite possibilities. And we don't really ever know where it's going to land, yada, yada. But just because it's been observed and that's where we see something as the possible thing does not mean that all of the other possibilities are now gone. So I guess for me in my brain, how I'm kind of interpreting what you were saying versus what's kind of popping up for me is that just because we only can see one possibility that does not mean that that is all that's there. Like even quantum mechanics explains that there are, are infinite possibilities constantly kind of circulating underneath the surface that we are not aware of because we've only observed one thing, one possibility, that this can only mean one thing for me. Well, and that ties into like perception, consciousness, the things that were subconscious become conscious. And so in that cognitive process, like that's what we attach to. That's what we hang on to. Right. And so if I'm hanging on to that, then that is what I'm looking at through my lens. That's what I'm going after. That's what I might be doing something about. And so if I have certain beliefs or truths or understandings or knowings or cogn- cognition of things that are 
possibly depleting to me, then that eventually inhibits me from releasing things and allowing myself to move forward. Right. And I don't think we're taught early on culturally that it's okay to move through and to, to be more intentional about allowing ourselves to move on. Right. I completely agree. Like in my brain, like I'm just going like, oh yeah, because right now it's like mass consumer. Like the more you need more. So like there is no way in, in that allowing is it a, a process of letting go because it's the whole concept of you need more, you need more lights, you need more followers, you need more people, you need more connection, you need, mm-hmm. you need all of these things to make you feel like you are actually worthy of being a person. Right. In my reality, it is not about how much I can gain, but at times it's about how much I can allow myself to let go of so that I can allow myself to become who I truly am without all of the other crap kind of weighing me down. Mm-hmm. And at times that means that I need to walk away from people, things, ideas. Sure. In order for me to do that. That doesn't mean that those things may not come back in another way later or down the road. And I think that there's a lot of compassion that needs to be given to ourselves in this process Mm -hmm. of walking away from things that may not be helpful or beneficial or edifying or whatever. Yeah. And there is that learning that you are enough. Yep. I mean, because to get from one possi- seeing one possibility to another, like, it is clearing out thoughts. It's clearing out those negative beliefs, or maybe not negative, just beliefs in general, mm-hmm. that keep you from being able to see that there's something else that is possible, that is that can be there. Right. And I would invite our listeners to even just if it's for one minute after listening to this, that inkling or that nudge or that feeling of what could be possible, even if you shut it down in the next breath, but just like that, that tiniest little piece of like, what is possible? Or if you already know what's possible or what you know, what you desire, what you are moving toward or reminding yourself of that, if life is getting to be too much or you're feeling weighed down or you've lost sight of that because again it's that focus of whatever possibility you're on directs your engagement your movement how you're feeling how you're allowing things and letting go as always thank you for this today it has been a lot of fun Thank you. Feel free to check out our website at www.stillpointhealing.com. You can check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at stillpointhealing. And you can always email us here at the podcast with any questions at so you can heal at stillpointhealing.com. And a invitation to all those listening please subscribe rate and review our podcast because the more 
rates and reviews and subscriptions we have, the more present we can be for others to experience the So You Can Heal podcast and begin healing parts of their lives. And if you already have, many blessings and thanks. And until next time. Bye. Bye.